welcome to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, a show dedicated to cybersecurity challenges, solutions, a journey together, not alone. Welcome back to another episode of MSP 1337. You thought you had heard enough of me before the end of the year. And not only did you maybe think you heard enough of me, but maybe you heard enough of Jim Harriman from Kinetic Group. Welcome back, Jim. Good to be here. And I expect to be on the co-host list next year. So yes, co-host list just means that you're on more than three times. Uh, I think that's the, you, you get the uh, SNL jacket to go with it. Um, what is it? The five, the five timers club, or whatever it is. Right. So uh, the reason I, what's that? I said, I'm Steve Martin. That's right. That's right. Every, everybody wants to be Steve Martin, even though said, right. <laughs> um, I want to be Dana Carvey. Okay. Um, Wow, uh, I could go rabbit hole right now. Uh, so, so the reason for those of you listening, I brought Jim back is because I felt like we didn't finish the conversation on last week's episode where we were talking about, um, you know, what do I need to have to prepare for an audit? And, and I think we almost, to some degree, I wish I could go back in time and and maybe reverse the order of of these episodes because we didn't talk about um, the why. We didn't talk about what it means to be pre- like prepared, like to prepare your business for from a security perspective versus a uh, audit perspective or compliance perspective. And, you know, obviously when you're audited, you know, they're going to look at things and say, hey, you're, you're doing these well. And, and that means you're more secure. But but they're, an auditor is going to check boxes in the audit and you're going to check boxes to make sure you're ready for an audit. And we talked about all of that. But what we didn't talk about is, the differences between why a solution provider does this and really anybody else, right? So uh, I think about the different regulations that are out there, whether it's CMMCM, we were talking about this before the show, this may be a good example. You know, you get these requests from a client that says, no, 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 I understand you're talking about security and you've got this security stack that you want me to implement in my organization. But really I'm only concerned about uh, this enclave or this area that is where I'm going to store CUI per my government contract that I just was awarded. And I need your help making sure that that's secure. It meets the requirements and checks the boxes for for this thing. And you've just gone through your process. And we, we talked about this, you know, SOC is a scope that you define and you're audited against that. As a solution provider wanting to be secure, your scope probably encompasses your entire organization and everything in it to make that SOC 2 audit valid, not for the auditor, but but for you. You literally don't, this is a self, you chose to go through this, not you were hit up and like, hey, we're going to audit you for SOC. And you're like, oh no, not right. SOC. I'm not, I'll never be ready for that, right? And and please, uh, those of you listening, I'm not trying to downplay any framework or any sort of compliance strategy or even reasons why to do it, other than I will say this. If as a solution provider, your goal is to check boxes to get a trust mark, a certificate, a credential tied to the controls that you are just checking the boxes against. I'm sorry, but that's not that's not a model you will be able to sustain for an extended period of time because eventually it'll catch up to you. It has to be because you want your organization to have a posture, to have maturity enough that says, I can sustain an event. 
I can help my clients go through an event that may or may not happen in my time here at this organization, but I'm there for them. And as, as you all know, I just literally went into this monologue as if it was like the end of year and I was on SNL and obviously I'm not, but Jim talk to me about, there's a couple of pieces here that I wanted you to come back and talk about. One is as an organization, yes, you made this collection of things for an auditor, but talk to me about in your organization, what do you do with things like a policy tied to passwords or, you know, uh, an employee handbook? Like, how do you how do you track all that stuff and make sure that if I reached out to you, whether I'm an auditor or your client or your insurance company, that you're not going, hey, Chris, can you give me like three weeks so I can get that gathered? Because if I'm an auditor or any of those things, all of a sudden red flag goes up, says, oh, he's going to go create that stuff or download it off the Internet. <laughs> well, you know, the the I think we're very um parochial as far as how we're tracking things at this point. And that's certainly a, a challenge that that I'm I'm looking to improve upon. Uh but it, it really is, you know, the basic types of things. I mean, we're still tracking some things in spreadsheets and we're still, you know, we, you know, we're just storing these documents the way that we have traditionally stored documents in the past. Um, you know, we've looked at some, some various platforms out there to kind of help us sure. um, streamline and maintain it. But by and large, you know, we, we create a folder for every year uh, that we work from within, you know, the, the audit and start bringing the evidence in to, you know, um, organize it in such a way that where we can understand what it is and that the auditors know what we're providing to them at the same time, you know, making sure that, you know, the, that timestamps and things like that are, are there. And, and, and we do that. And we're trying to do that throughout the year because we know that, uh, if they're going to be asking for things. And like I had mentioned in the last time, you know, we just did a type one SOC two, which is a certain point in time, which means that they say as of this, it's like date, a baseline. Right. And so, and it's our second year to do that. And then, you know, the type two would be next, depending on, you know, how things roll. Um, I mean, obviously with the CompTIA trust mark and stuff coming that that is intriguing uh, along with the CMMC stuff that's out there, it's like, you know, what do I, what do I choose? You know, how do I well, do that? Let's, so. let's talk about that for a second. Cause I think this is really important. I think we touched on a little bit before the show, having a SOC two type two audit or SOC two type one audit is only as good as you, the organization going to incorporate, you know, how, how big is the scope and being able to articulate that. But I, I think you pointed out another piece that is as important, if not more so, and that is the company doing the audit, the company that does the assessing, the company that's part of an accreditation board or 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 whatever that authority is, do they understand the business that you're in so that it's not just a, you know, like a, a CPA firm that's like, oh, we do audits. These are the certifications we have. And I don't care if you're a bank or a MSSP or, you know, a PR firm. Um, we know the boxes that we have to check as we go through and evaluate your organization, not, I understand the business that you're in and I can see through that lens, what, what it means to, to be secure, to, to be compliant with what we're auditing you against. And I think that gets into the questions like, you're going to have compensating controls. 
There's no way you take a, a framework of any kind and are just verbatim like, yep, 100% did it exactly the way it called it out. I'd be impressed. I mean, I'd be, I'd be really curious to understand that, right? But, but if I don't understand your business and the business that you're in and you provide me with a compensating control, I'm going to at the very least be skeptical and probably going to go real quickly down a path that says, no, I, I need you to, to meet, meet this control the way it does because that's what I was taught to look for and you didn't show me what I what I wanted to see. Did you Absolutely. did you even run into any of that when you went through your audit? Well, so here here's how we ended up going. We had a couple of clients of ours that we had actually helped on two different things. We helped one client through a SOC 2 uh type 2 audit uh multiple years. And then we had a client that we were uh, constantly working through uh, Sarbanes-Oxley with. Okay. Right. So yeah, that's a fun that, one. Oh yeah. So we were we were kind of the other socks. Right. The other socks. Um, so we actually talked. I talked to the company that was running the audit for my client, and they they have a a platform that they have developed, and so it's like a SaaS platform that they sure. they just. And so that's really where that their SOC 2 audit was focused, right? Was on that yeah. platform and what, what, how it was developed and what all the processes and procedures they went around the, the development uh, cycle and all of that. And so I talked to them and I, I explained to them, you know, what we did and how we did it and everything else. And they're like, well, you know, as a service provider or as an auditing company, we're really focused more on data centers and, um, you know, platform developers or software development companies. And so though you have some crossover, there's a lot of stuff that you guys do that we don't really get. We don't we, we don't really grasp it. it we don't understand similar. you fully. Yeah. yeah, it's similar, but not it's in the and, same and that's way. the danger area right like oh well, we found an auditor yay us they know two of the 18 or 20 domains that we need to be uh comfortable you know confidence with with proving and they're like yeah we signed off on two of those no problem we have no idea what you did for the other 18 so after that conversation i just started doing some research and found that there were a couple of organizations out there that um specialized in a couple of areas. One was um, around a SOC 2 type audit and the other was more around, um, you know, uh, the uh, healthcare HIPAA uh, compliance, right? And those were kind of the two big things in our industry, in the managed service provider industry, though, those were the two and there were probably some others. And if you think real hard, you know who these people are. Sure. So, but, you know, I'm not here to name drop that, but you know, I determined that we, at the time we had zero healthcare clients and we had mostly service industry type clients, whether it's ad advertising, legal, sure. you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, SOC 2 seems to make a lot of sense for us. But after that conversation, I needed somebody that really understood us to help us scope out what we were actually going to be tested against, right? Because I right. needed them to understand what we did. And even for us, it's different than some other MSPs. I mean, I know MSPs that have data centers, right? I know yeah. MSPs that store client data. Ours is not like that. So it, it, it really wasn't, I didn't want it to be so broad 
Right. That I'm like, well, we don't do this. We don't do this. Well, explain how you don't do this and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, and that's so it was really a scoping thing for me. I wanted to make sure that we were covering the things that we did and no right. more, no more, no less, really. Um, but at the same well, yeah, time, don't increase your liability on things that don't right, apply to you. Exactly. Exactly. So, but, you know, going through the process and having had already started going through the the CIS at the time, top 20 controls and all that, um, realized that there are still gaps that I want to cover um, from the security side that we continue to do that aren't even covered necessarily within the scope of our audit. So, you know, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, as we mature in this and perhaps as the auditors mature as well and yeah. start to scope it out even more that they can say, okay, well, this MSP, they only really need to hit, you know, this area as opposed to all, all of it, you know, meaning data center stuff or, you know, cloud hosting or whatever they get into. So, so that's, that's really interesting because I think about, you know, as an organization, your business and the verticals you serve, you're really getting into, you created scope around ensuring that you were doing best practices, not just so that you could show confidently that you've had the security controls in place, but that you were able to support the security requirements for the industries that you're serving, which, you know, I'll give you the example, like with the Trustmark, it, it's a, it's largely made up of of CIS, but it also encompasses uh, controls taken from other frameworks to help create a foundational or, or a fundamentals, if you will, to say, hey, I may not be fully able to satisfy HIPAA because I have the trust mark, but I, I can say that I have the building blocks so that that last mile, that last for whatever the control or category might be that I've got obligations in, I can satisfy it. And HIPAA is a good example of, you know, don't boil the ocean because you're a business associate with a covered entity, right? Like, oh yeah, you're you're now liable for everything. It's like, but all we do is provide them with backups or all we do is manage their wireless access. Like, like those are important things, right? And there are controls that directly map to doing that well. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you as, as Kinetic Technology Group need to be able to like, oh, yeah, and we've addressed, you know, how we do workstation and clean desk policy so that we satisfy something that we don't have any interaction with. Um, right. That's just ensuing that you get brought in for additional liability when something happens. <laughs> exactly. So you're, you know, I, I liked the, the, your, your, your uh, research sort of that you did, like, you know, what's out there, what are the domains that we are involved in? And this kind of goes back to when we talk about compensating controls and having somebody that understands your industry as part of the audit and accreditation programs, you know, if you're not doing, like you said, if you don't have a data center, why are you trying to answer controls for a data center? Um, I think that what, when I look at the CIS control set and you and I've talked about this before, Oh, I don't do software development. So this doesn't apply. It's like, okay, let's defend it. Do you have any PowerShell scripts that you downloaded off the internet and modified so you could use them in your organization? Oh, you got five. Okay. Let's at least apply the intent behind the control set. Even if you don't need to satisfy every single sub control, cause you don't actually build applications in your business. Yeah. Um, 
we don't want to get wrapped around the axle, but at the same time, right. Don't ignore it just because it's harder to think about it than it is to ignore. Sure. And, and I actually, I mean, you bring up the application development side. I mean, we actually have a little tool that we develop that we deploy to all of the workstations that we support to, you know, basically and on windows, it's just a system tray item on the Mac. It's just a menu bar item. And it just, you know, shortcuts to better communicate with us. That's it. There's really nothing there, but they're like, they're like, well, you really need to have a process and a policy and a, you know, an application development cycle right. for that. And I'm like, uh, okay. So, you know, I spent weeks and weeks just trying to come up with a, a, a reasonable because if you go out and look at the you know an app, application development cycle document it's like oh it's, at the, it's like looking at the benchmarks for for google, cis right? yeah right yeah you google know, chrome I mean, 294 like, pages good luck it's like i need three pages here to explain how we develop this one little utility piece right and i'm like i don't need 300 pages to do that sure so anyway but this, you know along those lines you know i was talking about this with um wayne selk this morning who's who's my boss uh here at comptia we were talking about um i'm gonna just not try to say the domain category i'll say the domain category so you got you have asset inventory right you have hardware authorized and unauthorized assets we know those are controls one and two software hardware and then i think it's like control six or seven gets into data protection and in there it has a sub control that says uh you know data asset inventory well if you go back to control one and you really look at asset inventory you've you've established your centralized repository for your assets whether they're data or people or time or you name it right so that when you get to that control, you already have the building blocks in place. You don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel. So to your point about the software side of this, you know whether or not you developed it or not, you've already put together a set of controls that it may be in theory saying, hey, go see checklist XYZ, right. where we articulate for this utility that we built. This is the security protocols. This is the change management protocols. These are all the processes that we have in place around this. Does this satisfy as a compensating control? Probably because here's the thing. You've thought about it. Security is important to you. And you've put in place the documentation to defend your stance on why you are using a compensating control versus I just put not applicable and moved on. <laughs> right? I mean, you see that all yeah. the time. Or... Or you get so hung up on answering the control from a policy standpoint that you lose sight of what does it mean to have a policy? And I ran into this the other day. Um, the question was, do you have an onboarding and offboarding um, policy? And he's and the, the response was, well, no. I go, okay. Do you have an onboarding and offboarding checklist that you follow that's documented? And he's like, oh, absolutely. I said, second question or second part of this question. In your employee handbook, do you call out onboarding and offboarding of your employees? He goes, yes. I go, do you consider your employee handbook to be a policy? He goes, yes. I go, then why are we having this conversation? 
<laughs> right. And then uh, I didn't say that to be mean. I, I was truly being sarcastic like I am right now. I get it. I've spent way too much time reading controls and frameworks going, I know the answer to that, but I don't necessarily know the answer to your business addressing that. If I don't go back and stand at the 10,000 foot level, and try to think about it through how does your business function? What are the things that your business does? Because you're not going to, if you're a five man shop, you don't have an HR department. You don't. I mean, if you do, that's cool. But like, that seems like an expense that's really high for something that you've got. You need more engineers. Well, but like most most owners of businesses in our in our sphere of influence here, anytime <laughs> the word policy came up until like three years ago, my my eyes just would glaze over and I would be like a zombie. It's yeah. like don't I don't want to talk about that. You're you're I, you planning know, to get hit by a bus. Exactly. So Lord you know, take me. Once once we once I determined and got it set in my head that look, we have well documented well documented processes and they they are documented, they are written down because yeah. a process isn't a process really until it's written down. You know, I I I subscribe to that that theory. So you know everything's written down and and I can say okay. We follow this process and I write it out and all of a sudden I stamp it, I date it. I'm like, this is to this control of this, whether it's the SOC audit or whether it's CIS. And this is now my policy, right? This is how we function. This is what we do. This is how we do it. And this is the document that shows you how to do it. And then they're just going to ask for those things when it comes to the auditors to say that, okay, yes, they have that. Now show me. The, the last person that you offboarded and and the evidence that you closed everything out and they don't still exist and all the things that you said that you removed them from. Right. So, you know, I mean, there you have it. <laughs> Just, yeah, to summarize, right? Like, so, so I, I know we're kind of like, I said this before, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse or kick a dead horse or kick a horse when he's down because you never know when you might get kicked back. But I'm very passionate about solution providers successfully showing cybersecurity maturity to themselves, because I think that's important, to get buy-in from your employees. And I don't think you can do that if you don't have a good strategy, a good program strategy, because it's hard hard to get behind. It's kind of like saying you, like you said, uh, if the if the policy is in your head, it's not really a policy. If the process is in your head, uh, it's not really a process that can be you know executed other than if you basically repeat it over and over again and get them to go, Oh, he's told it to me a thousand times. If he's told me once. Um, but where, where we're going with this. And those of you know me, like the CompTIA is, is in the pilot phase of, of the new Trustmark, and, you know, the, the next period, the beta, and then the full launch in, in uh, second, third quarter of 23 is all about your security and posture, not about your compliance to meet SOC 2, not about your compliance to be HIPAA. And, and I think that because of the foundational approach that we have with this, whether you ever make those frameworks a goal or even a destination, which is kind of weird to make it a destination, but if those are goals in, in or not, it doesn't matter. If you can show a foundational security posture, that's far more important than how many things you can comply with because you, you've established a culture of cybersecurity first mindset and you can prove it. I mean, what, what other 
what better accolade could you have as a solution provider other than getting in, you know, good M&A and <laughs> sailing off in the sunset <laughs> with retirement. But like, it feels pretty good when you come, when that, when the results come back and say, wow, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed to say you've earned the, the, you know, the cybersecurity trust mark from CompTIA or you've earned the, the HIPAA, compliance or whatever it is obviously earning HIPAA compliance is a little bit different but anyways my, my point is that feels good but when you get there you don't feel like you can stop if you feel like you can stop I would digress to say you were approaching this from a checkbox perspective not a successfully prove my cybersecurity posture perspective I, I agree with that completely as a matter of fact had you not said it I would just say you know don't rest on your laurels, right? Don't don't take complete to heart what you've done, you know, and and say yay me. I mean, you got right. that for a few minutes, and that's cool. But realize that this is an ongoing effort, and that you know, along the way, you may not have to sit there and go through every single control every single month, no. or whatever it may be. But your auditor would be worried if you were. If you, if you, if you have gone through successfully, you know, and whether you're self-attesting to it, but being honest with yourself about it and, yeah. and really digging in and making sure that you're doing the things that you think you're doing. Or the intent matches. Yeah. Right. And that, you know, cause there were, there were plenty of times where I'm like, oh yeah, we're definitely doing that. Right. And I yeah. go out and talk to my, my staff and they're like, uh, no, we're not doing that. And we I'm haven't like, done that like well, in five years, dude. Why aren't we doing that? You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I turn into the Tasmanian devil around here and they're like, oh, Jim's on a tear. You know, we better get it together. But anyway. But you bring up something really important, too. It's called the two truths model. And I know you're probably in the in a lesser technical role within your organization. I know I, I like to be in the technical role. And, and you run into this a lot. The, the business owner answers questions with, yeah, we do that. And at some point in time, maybe you did. Uh, or even if you never did, at some point in time, it was talked about being done. Uh, and, and usually the things that get in the way is not enough resources, not enough money, uh, not enough skill or knowledge to implement and being afraid to go back and say we couldn't do it. And in some cases, it it's changed, right? You've changed a model within the organization sure. that broke some of those pieces, but because it's not part of the culture, getting that reset, and you've heard Brian Weiss say this all the time, complacency isn't necessarily the fault of the engineer. It's the fault of the culture that breeds complacency and continues to get worse until someone looks in through the window or walks through the front door and goes, holy crap, what are you doing? <laughs> no kidding. I mean, I would say for us, that is the benefit of, you know, getting some skin in the game financially and actually getting audited because it does force you to continuously kind of reflect on all of these things, right? It's not just something that you can just continue to shove off and shove off and shove off, or or you're okay with wasting tens of thousands of dollars. You know, I mean, I, I'm that not sounds okay like a with typical that. solution provider when right? you say it that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm not okay with that. And no. so it's like, I, I will push myself, therefore pushing the rest of my team to make sure that we're continuously doing this so that when the time comes that it is a, a palatable process right. from, from the 
audit side right. and that we you know continually say okay we know it's going to start august september so we've got nine months of the year to make sure that we're doing the things right so when it comes then that we're not you know just buried with work and an audit right i mean it's it doesn't have to be this daunting thing. Initially, the first time will be, I guarantee you, the first time you go through an audit, it's going to be daunting and it's going to take a lot of time and effort to, to get through it. But if you continue the process, it gets easier and easier as you go. But if you don't continue the process, you wait five years and do it again, then it's going to be the same it was the first time. And you're just starting from scratch all over again. So, so, so thanks Debbie Downer for that. It's daunting in life, <laughs> you know, doom and gloom, but, but you're right, but don't let that deter you and don't let that keep you from asking for help. Because I will tell you the number of times I've heard someone that didn't ask for help for three months or four months or six months, they asked for help and suddenly they, they broke through the glass ceiling and they were able to go through it really fast and it no longer was daunting because they just hit that one thing that they didn't know the answer to and they didn't want to feel stupid. I'll tell you, I've spent as much time as I've had on controls and today, you know, you know meeting with, with Wayne and talking about a couple of the controls, I had not ever had somebody really share their perspective on what they were looking at. And while I 100% agreed with them, I had never presented it that way. And so that put me in a position of like, not necessarily the easiest path for the people that I'd been coaching on this, right? So, you know, um, don't give up, don't lose hope, uh, policies and controls and compliance versus security. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here. And, and the mindset should be this, you're going to end up with policies, you're going to end up satisfying controls. But if your process for doing this is about getting to compliance and not a culture and an infrastructure that supports a cybersecurity mindset and a cybersecurity first culture in your organization, then it's all for naught because it will eventually destroy you from one section or another. It's like having a battle on two different fronts. It's very difficult when you have limited resources. Don't fight two battles if you don't have to. So with that, I want to say thank you for listening. Hopefully this was beneficial and for those of you celebrating one of the 50 plus holidays in the month of December, have a great holiday. And from me to you, Merry Christmas, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Have a great week.